Well, hello, City First Church. We are so glad that each and every one of you are with us today. You are in the right place. You belong here. And I hope that everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Maybe you're still in a turkey stoop over. You've been enjoying leftovers. I hope you enjoyed quality time with friends and family, and maybe you even watched some football. Yesterday, it didn't go very good for me. I'm an Ohio State fan. I moved here from Ohio, Ohio State fan, only to marry my husband, Adam, who's a Michigan fan, you guys. You can't cheer for Michigan. And so when Ohio State loses, not only does my team lose, but my team loses to my husband's team, and it's not fun. We're unified 364 days a year, just not on game day. But we all have so much truly to be thankful for. And I hope that this Thanksgiving weekend, you carved out some time and you just reflected and you gave God thanks, not because everything in life is good and perfect, but because our God is good and he is perfect and he has given us this day with breath in our lungs. And so we have something to be thankful for. And I also wanna just pause and recognize that Thanksgiving and holidays can be difficult for a lot of people. You know, maybe this Thanksgiving was the first time that you sat around a table and someone that you loved is no longer sitting around that table with you. Holidays can be like a pressure cooker for family drama and they can just be difficult. And I just want you to know, church, that we as your pastors, we're praying for you all the time, but we're also specifically praying for you during this holiday season, praying that you remember God's nearness, that he promises to comfort those who mourn and those who are experiencing loss. He's our great counselor to help us navigate difficult times, and God loves you and he's with you in this season. And so I just wanna pause and open up our time together in prayer, and then we're gonna dive into today's topic. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who who you are. God, we just thank you for your goodness and your nearness. God, I thank you for every person who's a part of City First Church watching or being a part of wherever they are located right now. God, I thank you that you see them, you know them, you love them, you care about them. God, I pray in this next little bit of time you would help me to get out of the way so that you can have your way. May our hearts be open to receive what you have for us today. And in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, today we are continuing and also concluding our mini-series on generosity called Put Your Heart Into It. And I wanna encourage everybody to come back next week because we're kicking off Christmas here at City First Church and we've got a brand new series called Discover the Wonder and it's gonna be helpful for all of us as we go into the holiday season. And if you missed last week's message from Pastor Jeremy, go back and watch it. Brilliant message as we're talking about generosity. And today I want to do part two of Put Your Heart Into It, where we're talking about having a heart of generosity. Because we know that generosity is not just about finances. More than anything, generosity is a heart issue, right? Generous people, they give hugs and high fives. They give compliments and encouragement. They give of their time. They show up early. They stay late. They don't just do the bare minimum. They go above and beyond. And when we think about generosity, we think of a famous verse, John 3, 16, and it says, for God so loved that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Last week, Pastor Jeremy said, Jesus wasn't just born, God gave him to us. 
God gave him to us. Why would God be so extravagant in his generosity to give us, me and you, his one and only son? Did he do it because he felt obligated? Did he do it because he felt pressured, because he felt guilty if he didn't do it, because there's no other plan? No, the verse that we just read says, for God so loved that he gave. To sum it up even more, we could simply say, love gives. Could everybody say that with me? Love gives. I want you to remember that love gives. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Because giving or generosity is an overflow of love. It's an overflow of the heart. You know, think about it. Maybe you're having a movie date night with your spouse or your significant other, and the guy wants to watch a manly, macho movie, and the girl wants to watch a romantic, Christmas, Hallmark, cheesy movie, Adam. And love would say... Love gives you your preference, even if I don't like your movie choice, right? Love gives. I've got a six-year-old son, Ryder, and he just is such a little lover, and he loves so much about every single day. Ryder colors me a picture. He writes me a note. Ryder loves mom. You the best, mom. Every day he gives me something. Why? Because he loves And so he just gives, it's an overflow. And with the holidays coming up, we have lots of opportunities to give. In fact, some of you, I know what your generosity approach is gonna be this Christmas. I have it right here. It says, this Christmas, instead of gifts, I'm giving everyone my opinion. Get excited. You're welcome. You're like, I've got lots of generosity to go around in the realm of my opinion. You're welcome, everybody. But have you ever been the recipient of irrational generosity? A gift that someone gave you that was like jaw-dropping, can't believe it, irrational generosity. I remember when I was 18 years old and not long before that I've given my life to Christ, that I'm all in, no turning back. I decided to move from Ohio to Rockford, Illinois, so I could be part of the leadership college here. And in between that year, I, or in that gap between graduation and attending school here, I decided to go on a missions trip to Africa with a family who were missionaries there for six weeks. This is a side note, they lost my luggage for five weeks and six days. It was a wild time. So before I could go on this trip, I had to raise thousands of dollars, which is a lot of money. It's especially a lot of money if you're 18 years old. And so I was writing letters to friends and to family, people that I knew kind of, people that I knew well, just letting them know I have this opportunity if you'd like to invest and be a part. And I remember getting a letter in the mail from someone I had sent a letter to, and I didn't really even know them that well. And I opened up the letter And with the letter, there was a check. And I looked at the amount of the check and it covered the entirety of my trip to be able to go and tell people about Jesus in Africa. And I was blown away. And I remember coming home from that trip and getting to meet with that lady and I was able to share stories of hundreds of people who came to know Jesus, that we traveled to a remote hill tribe where they had never heard the name of Jesus and we got to introduce them to Jesus and that she was a part of all that life change because she invested and she believed in this mission. And now that I'm not 18 years old, one of my favorite things to be able to do, what's even better than getting to receive, is getting to give. 
Adam and I love to be able to support what God's doing in missions work through legacy, our friends that are serving all around the world. We love to be able to give back. Why? Because we love what God's doing and we want to be a part. And there's a verse in Acts 20.35 and it says this, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. What did he say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is God's plan for us, church. He wired us up to be generous. It's why you feel good when you give. It's why you feel good when you help somebody out. Why? Because he wired us up to be generous. And why did he wire us up that way? Because we are most like Christ when we are generous. We most reflect his heart when we aren't consumed with ourselves, but we're more consumed with loving God and loving what and who he loves. And if Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, and studies prove it, and thousands of people experience it, we gotta ask the question, why is it still so hard to give? Why can it be so hard to give? And this morning, I wanna talk a little bit about that. And I wanna dive into a mentality that can be an obstacle to our generosity. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'm calling the message, secure the bag. It'll make more sense in a little bit. But I believe at the end of the day, everybody wants to be generous. I believe at the end of the day, we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We all wanna be a part of something that will last for all of eternity. We wanna leave a legacy. In fact, starting next weekend, the first two weekends of December, we have our annual end of year legacy offering. And I wanna encourage you, come back next week. Bring friends with you. We're gonna show a video that encompasses just some of what you did, what your generosity did in 2023, and it's going to blow you away. It's so incredible. And in this offering, it's where we give God our first and best gift every Christmas season. And what I love about this offering is it's an opportunity for the church to set the pace in what we accomplish this upcoming year in 2024. And I know it's easy for us to think, but isn't that Pastor Jeremy and Jen's job? Well, here's how it works. Pastor Jeremy and Jen set the vision and they have so much vision for your life, for this church, for our cities, for our world. So they set the vision, but we as a church determine the pace in which the vision is fulfilled based on our generosity. Our generosity accelerates the vision to see more people impacted for Jesus. And I think everybody wants to be a part of that. And yet maybe you find yourself today saying, I want to give, but I don't really feel like I can give. And this can be for many different reasons. You might want to give, but feel like I can't give because I've got bills to pay. Or maybe you feel like I wanna give, but I can't give because have you seen inflation? It is crazy, right? Maybe you feel like I wanna give, but I can't because I got kids and they're expensive, right? There's a very real mindset that's easy to live by and it's something that's called a scarcity mentality. Now I want you to notice a scarcity mentality doesn't even mean that it's a reality, it's a mentality. You know, some of the wealthiest people in the world feel like they can't give because they don't feel like they have enough. If you or I looked at their checking account or their bank account or how much money they have, we would say, you have more than enough. 
but their reality is perceived through a mentality because it's not about even what's real, it's about how they feel. Many people have the mindset of, I'll never have enough. In fact, in 1900, there's a famous guy, you've probably heard of him, his name is John Rockefeller. He was the richest man in the world in 1900. Richest man in the world, had more money than anybody else in the world had. And he sat down to do an interview with a reporter and this interviewer asked him, said, John, you are the richest person in the world. Nobody has more money than you. How much money is enough money for you? And his response was, one dollar more. What I have isn't enough, I always need more. Pastor Craig Rochelle calls the scarcity mentality the bag mentality. And he's referencing a passage found in the Old Testament in the book of Haggai. And we're gonna take a minute and read some of these verses, but first I wanna give you a little insight into what was happening and what we're about to read. And there was this town or there was a village and in this village there was people there and they had loved God and so they built a foundation for a temple because back in the Old Testament, this is before Jesus came to earth and went back to heaven, is before he gave us the Holy Spirit. So if you wanted to have uh, interaction with God, you wanted to be in God's presence, you had to go to a temple. So they were very, very important. And so these individuals had laid a foundation for a temple, but then they hit some hard times, they got distracted, and they stopped building the temple. So a foundation laid there for 15 years, but nobody was touching or continuing the work of building the temple, which is really for God. And so God sends a man, his name is Haggai, and he said, I want you to talk to my people about this situation. And this is what it says in Haggai chapter one, verses two through six. This is what the Lord of all says. These people say, the time has not yet come to build again the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the man of God, saying, is it a time for you yourselves to live in your houses with walls covered with wood, which was a sign of prosperity in that day, while this house, referencing God's house, lies waste? Now the Lord of all says, think about your ways. You have planted much, but you gather little. You eat, but there's not enough to fill you. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothing, but no one is ever warm. You earn money, but put it into a bag with holes. A bag, a bag mentality is that mindset that there never is enough. It's like putting your money into a bag with holes. It goes in and it comes out and therefore it is never full. You work, you pay your bills, but then you have more bills. You work, you try to get ahead, you save your money, but then the money goes towards your credit card bill. It's like putting your money into a bag with holes. It feels like you cannot get ahead. And that's what the people were experiencing and what we just read about, right? It says they planted, but they didn't harvest anything. They ate, but they weren't full. They dressed, but they weren't warm. They couldn't get ahead. And I love how God responds to these people. He doesn't reprimand them. He doesn't shame them. What does God say through his servant Haggai? He says this, think about your ways. Another translation says this, consider your ways. He's telling them, hey, would you pause for a second? Would you take a time out? Let's just not go through the motions of life 
doing what you've always done, staying on the hamster wheel of life, chasing fulfillment through building bigger things or purchasing more stuff, trying to buy things to impress people that you don't even really like, mindlessly going through the flow of what culture's doing. Let's pause and let's think about your ways. He's going, right now, you're only prioritizing yourself and how is it working out for you? It's like putting your money into a bag with holes. And when we keep reading in this chapter, we see that he instructs the people to change their priorities from just building their own homes and their own wealth and to also start building God's house and having eternal purpose. He doesn't say it's bad to build your own house. He doesn't say that. He just says, as long as you're still prioritizing building my house. He doesn't say it's bad to have wealth. He doesn't say that just as long as wealth doesn't have you and that God is still your first priority. And today there are two keys that I want us to look at in order to secure the bag or fight the bag mentality. And the first one is this, make God our first priority. And I know it sounds simple, but if we actually apply this principle, our lives will begin to change. Here's the thing, God wants to be first in our lives. He doesn't wanna be the leftovers. He doesn't wanna be second place. He doesn't wanna be an obligation. He doesn't wanna be an appointment on a calendar that you come to once a week. He doesn't want to be the afterthought. He wants to be first. He wants to be first because he loves us. He gave his son for us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He loves you so much. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, you don't wanna be second place, right? If you're in a relationship with somebody, you don't wanna be an afterthought. If you're in a relationship with somebody, you don't wanna just be a leftover. No, you wanna be prioritized. And that's what God wants for us in our relationship with him. He wants to be first, not just for his benefit, he wants to be first for our benefit. You know, it says this in Matthew 6, it says, but more than anything else, more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. What are the other things? We're gonna read about that in a little bit, but God wants to be first. It's why he tells us, to tithe because every time we're paid, then every time we're paid, we tithe. And every time that we tithe, we're saying, God, I put you first. I know some people say, it's crazy to tithe. It's crazy to give 10% of my earnings back to God through my church. That's crazy. Well, God's not asking for 100%. He's just asking for 10%. And he's the one who gave you the ability to have the job that you have. He's the one who gave you the skill set to earn the money that you're earning. He's the one who opened the door for you to have the job that you have. And he does want everything back, but just some of it. And really, he doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He wants your heart. Some people say it's crazy to put God first in an end of year legacy offering around Christmas time when we're spending a lot of money and other things. In order to do that, I'd have to rearrange some things in my life to put God first. Yes, exactly. Our lives should look different than the rest of the world's lives. We should have different priorities. We should have different purposes. We should be light shining in the darkness in a world that says me first. We should be the people who are saying God first. But it's a heart issue. 
And when we learn to trust God with our heart, we'll see that he'll make the 90% go further than the 100% ever could. When we put God first at Christmas time, it helps us to not get so absorbed with getting so we have space to focus on giving and also on receiving what matters most. And friends, this life is about so much more than stuff. And there's nothing wrong with stuff. I love to give presents. It's fun. It brings me joy. But I've been seeing on Facebook, all of these moms are posting different ways and creative ideas to get their kids to clear out their old toys, to make room for their new toys. And all of this stuff is going to end up in goodwill eventually. And it's not like we really need more stuff in our lives. What we really need in our life today is we need more peace and we need more joy and we need more contentment and we need more purpose and we need more love and goodness and healing and kindness and forgiveness. The things that only God can give us. We need more of Jesus, and again, it's okay to have stuff, but we need to be a part of things that have an eternal purpose. And there's a verse that I love reading because it just reminds me of what matters most, and it's in Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20, and it says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. What are treasures in heaven? It's people. I believe the woman who wrote the check that allowed me to go on a mission trip to Africa, although she's not going to meet on earth the people that she impacted because of her generosity, I believe she'll meet them in heaven. And they'll say, thank you for bringing Jesus to me. It's the people who are overlooked, who are ignored, the people that we're feeding, who are hungry. We get to be a part of these treasures soaring up in heaven, waiting for us when we get there. And this is what we see Haggai say through, that God says through him. He says to the people who are ignoring God's house, it's time to reprioritize some things. Just stop just building your house and start also building God's house. And as people change their priorities, they began to see change in their lives. Think about your ways. How's it working out for you? Because you can't do the same thing and expect different results. You have to do something different to see different results. So they considered their ways and they began to change their priorities. And what happened? They planted and they gathered much. They ate and they were full. They drank and they were satisfied. They dressed and they were warm. Why didn't this happen before? Because God can't bless what he is not a part of. But when we prioritize him, he promises to provide. In fact, this is the only area of financial generosity where God says, put me to the test. Why? Because it's not really about the visible things. It's about the invisible things. It's a matter of the heart. Their heart shifted to prioritizing God. And as their heart shifted, their priorities shifted. And God can bless those who choose to prioritize him. And God is so good because he knew that we need help keeping our hearts focused on him. It's why the Bible talks a lot about the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. A lot of times, above all else, we guard our time, 
our reputation, our social media comments, our bank account, but God's saying above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. In Jeremiah 17, it talks about the heart and it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I don't want that verse to be true, but I think we know that it is true. In fact, God puts a lot of focus on the heart because often it's neglected, but it's so important. James 3.16 says this, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Where there's selfishness in our hearts, there will be disorder. And I think a lot of us probably have disorder going on in our lives. Maybe your marriage is in disorder or your finances are in disorder and fixing your marriage and your finances is important. And we as your church family wanna come alongside you and help you with that in any way that we can. But we also need to deal with selfish ambition because if things are out of order internally, they'll be out of order externally. And generosity helps us to fight off selfishness. It's why God tells us to tithe, to put them first, to outdo each other, to serve one another, that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's why God tells us to love and to forgive and to give back, that it's more blessed to give than to receive because he knows that left to our own tendencies, we are selfish people. Right? It's like if you're Christmas shopping, maybe it's online, maybe it's in the store, you got your list of people you need to get stuff for, and you're looking around and you see that thing and you're like, oh yeah, I know who will love that. I know who will not return this. They don't need a gift receipt. I can bank on them being generous. It's me. I know that I would love that gift, right? And so you start Christmas shopping for yourself without even realizing that you're doing it, right? You're like, one for them, one for me. We just kind of drift that way. Maybe for Thanksgiving, you had a lot of people there and you took a group photo. There's like 30 people in it and they pass it around. Is this photo good? Who's the first person you look at? It's you. It's just our selfish tendencies. Your cousin has like stuff coming out of her teeth then, but you look good, so you're like, send it, post it. It looks good. I look good, right? It's just what happens. We don't mean to do it. No one has to teach us to do it. We just drift towards selfishness. But God doesn't want us to live a selfish life. Why? Because he wired us up to be generous because we're most like him when we're generous and our obedient generosity attracts God's blessing and he wants that for you. He wants to bless you. It says this in Proverbs chapter 11, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. God wants to bless you, but what he really wants is your heart, which really means at the root of generosity, It is a heart issue and he wants our hearts to trust in him. The second key to securing the bag or fighting a bag mentality is that we would put our trust in God. Sounds easy, 
but it can be difficult to do. But when we prioritize God and when we put our trust in him, we're going to begin to see that things change because generosity is really a trust issue. Do we trust God or do we not trust God? Earlier we read a verse from Matthew chapter six and I wanna read the rest of those verses for us. And it says this, Matthew chapter six, verse 24. And this is Jesus talking. That's important for us to know. These are the words of Jesus that were recorded in the New Testament. And it says, you cannot be the slave of two masters. You will like one more than the other or be more loyal to one than the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Doesn't say money's bad, but it says God has to be priority. We can't serve God and serve money. We have to pick one. I tell you not to worry about your life. Don't worry about having something to eat, drink, or wear. Isn't life more than food or clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant or harvest. They don't even store grain in barns that your Father in heaven takes care of them. And aren't you much more than birds? Can worry make you live longer? Why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They don't work hard to make their clothes, but I tell you that Solomon with all of his wealth wasn't as well clothed as one as them. God gives such beauty to everything that grows in the fields, even though it's here today and thrown into a fire tomorrow. God will surely do even more for you. Why do you have such little faith? Don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows you need all of these, but more than anything else, put God's work first, do what he wants, then the other things will come, will, the other things will be yours as well. I love this passage because it reminds us that God wants us to trust him. And I love reading this passage because it helps us to zoom up and to have a different vantage point. The world tries to suck us into all the problems and to be short-sighted and obsessive about all the trends and whatever, but this verse does the opposite. It reminds us that if God cares for all the birds, all the flowers across this planet, how much more does he care for you? Because he created you. He dreamt you up. He loves you. He knows the number of hairs on your head or lack thereof. He knows everything about you. He loves you. And he wants for you to trust in him. And I know the scarcity mentality will make us go internal and think, but I'll never have enough. Why do we think that? Because it's misplaced trust. Trust in ourselves really means that we are trusting in our own capacity. And man, are we missing out if we are just trusting ourselves with our marriages, with our kids, with our finances, with our purposes, because we as humans are so limited and so flawed. But when we trust in God, what we're really doing is we're trusting in his capacity. And our God is unlimited. He's amazing. He's a God of abundance, a God of more than enough. He's a God of love and kindness and purpose and forgiveness. The God who doesn't fail. But we have to choose. 
Are we gonna trust in ourselves and live with the scarcity bag mentality? Are we gonna trust in our God who's the God of more than enough? The enemy wants you to look at what you have in your bank account. It wants you to look at what you have in this world and think that's where you get your value. That's where you get your security. But we know that that's a promise that will always be unfulfilled. We get our security. We get our value from God above. And we have to learn to trust in him and in his ways. The enemy wants you to look at what you have and think this is all that I have. And you know what? It is all that you'll have if you keep it to yourself. But when you give it away, you give God an opportunity to do more than you could ever imagine. More than you could ever imagine because he's the God who's unlimited. And I remember a couple years back during COVID and COVID was a difficult time for everybody. It was difficult for you, it was difficult for me, it was difficult for our pastors, it was a difficult season because it was so unknown. We can look back now when we know a lot more, but when you're in the middle of the unknown, it can be scary. We saw anxiety and fear rise. And you know, during this time, things were getting shut down and people were getting laid off. And the only way this church happens is through generosity. And so it was, it was a unknown season. And right in that season, right in the beginning, I remember Pastor Jeremy was like, I'm seeing that people are fearful and they're in need and food insecurity is on the rise and I think we need to feed people in our city. And so he was like, most churches right now are going internally. They're going, are we gonna survive? Are we gonna make it? He's like, it's probably not the wisest thing to write a big check during the unknown, but I know it's what God wants me to do. And what I love, the more that I'm in this faith journey, this is what I know to be true. Obedience is our job, the outcome is God's. Our job is obedience, outcome is God's job. That's his responsibility. We don't even have to understand to obey, we just have to obey and trust God with the outcome. And so Pastor Amy said, we wanna do this, so we all said, let's do this. And we had a high, we had a, a purchase, a bunch of food that was in a different state, have it shipped in through a semi-truck, and I remember that day where we hope people are gonna show up, volunteers, people who need it. And we served 43,000 pounds of food on that one day. And there were so many cars in the parking lot, they had to overflow across the street to another parking lot. And we were able to feed so many people because we weren't gonna go, we're gonna be scared and just hoard what we have. No, we're gonna trust God and give away and do what God wants us to do. And what's amazing is to this date, we're multiple years in, that one food distribution led to many food distributions that we have never stopped feeding people. And to this day, We've given away 3.4 million pounds of food just in our local cities. That equals 2.8 million meals that you've given away when you've said, I choose to be generous. I choose to do what God wants me to do. I choose to be obedient. My job is obedience. God jobs, God's job is the outcome. And God has never stopped providing for this church. God has never stopped providing for his people so we can continue to meet people at their point of need. Salvations have happened. Spiritual needs have met, been met as we meet tangible needs. 
And I know that it can be easy to say, I'm gonna trust in myself, but I pray that you're encouraged today to put your trust in God. And next weekend, we have the opportunity to trust God as we give in our legacy offering. And in the seat back in front of you, there is a bookmark, it might be on your seat. I want you to grab that, and I want you to take it home with you. Just wanna get real practical for a moment. On here, you see at the top, there's four things. It says pray, plan, commit, and give. And we're gonna ask that you do this over the next week. We're not asking you to give a dollar in the end of your legacy offering, okay? It's important that you know that. We as your pastors are asking you that you would ask God, God, what do you want me to give? Pray about it. And then when God speaks to, once he speaks to you, begin to plan, right? You might have to rearrange some things in order to do what God's asking you to do. And then commit, which really means I'm gonna trust God, I'm not gonna talk myself out of it. I'm gonna trust God, my job is obedience, God's job is the outcome, and then you can give. You can give online, you can give in person, the third, the 10th, you can give today. If you go to our website, you'll see an end of year legacy option in our giving option there on the website page. And I wanna end by just sharing this last verse with you, and it comes from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And it says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Our prayer for you is that as you trust God, you would be filled with a joy that's overflowing and with a peace that can't be purchased in this world that we would put our trust in him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. And I just pray that every person here today will be reminded of your heart. God, that you are generous to us and we wanna be generous in return. May we prioritize you and may we trust you, God, and be obedient to do what you ask us to do in every area of our lives. Thank you, God. I pray that you would bless my friends as they place their trust in you. Give them courage to be obedient, God. Might be someone's first time giving or maybe someone feels prompted to give more than they ever could before. And God, I just pray that we would have the courage to do what you ask us to do. Thank you, Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here with us today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. We're talking about prioritizing him, how much he loves you, that he gave his son for you, but you've never made the decision to be in a relationship with Jesus. This doesn't mean that you're, that you're joining a church. It doesn't mean that you're joining a religion. It just means you're saying, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, forgive my sins so I can have a brand new start and have heaven forever as my home. If you wanna make that decision with no one looking around, would you go ahead and just slip up your hand? Today is your day. I'm seeing hands go up, absolutely incredible. I believe hands are going up online. You can go ahead and put your hand down. And if everybody would repeat this prayer after me so that no one feels like they're saying it alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Today I choose to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life. Thank you for a brand new start. And in your name, amen.